Welcome to the NFT Now podcast, your go-to source to succeed in the fast-moving world of Web3. I'm Matt Medved. Each week, we interview visionary creators, builders, and collectors, so you can stay up to date on the most important trends and tactics for the internet's next frontier. Hey everyone, thank you all for coming. Uh, my name is Sebastian Sanchez. Uh, I'm the manager of digital art sales at Christie's. Um, I'm super excited to be here today with two powerhouses in the digital art space. Um, two people I admire and deeply respect and have worked with on many occasions and for many years. So super excited to be here with both of these guys. They basically need very little introduction, but we have Jack Butcher, digital artist, um, graphic designer and entrepreneur, and AC the Collector, who is a generative art collector, and I guess just overall art collector, um, founder and partner at 6529 Capital. Um, so let's get right into it. Um, I know we were in a bear market all year, but I think these two guys really um, led the space forward in many different occasions um, and really proved that uh, there's still movement happening um, amidst all the negativity and all the sort of FUD in the space. So um, again, really excited. Thank you both for joining me. Um, I'd love to start off on January 3rd, 2023. Um, checks. Um, a 24-hour open edition for $8. Um, I think it was around the time of uh, Instagram and Twitter both becoming like paid for verification, if I'm not wrong. Um, and a total of 16,031 were minted. Um, took the NFT world by storm and really started this crazy open edition craze that lasted for like, I don't know how many months for better or for worse. Um, but I would say you were a huge catalyst for that. So would love to just hear more about like, you know, briefly like your journey, like getting up to checks, why you made checks, just a little bit about like the background of it. Sure. Um, so January 3rd is when the first image went live, which was in response to ah. the Elon verification meta, the, the, the real prompt for it was when you hovered over the blue check mark after those changes were implemented, <clears throat> the platform put this box up that said, this is a legacy verified account, it may or may not be notable. So the entire commentary started from there, that was like the caption came before the image and the caption was, this artwork may or may not be notable. And the first iteration of it parodied a dot painting, switched out everything with checks. And this idea of the paradigm switch from top-down verification, conference room full of people deciding that you are or are not notable to this decentralized network deciding based on legitimate economic energy. One of the things I was so surprised about was there were a factor of 16 more checks minted than there were likes on the post on yeah. Twitter. That's funny. Which is like a fascinating thing to think about. They're both networks. They're both sending these signals of approval for varying different reasons. And yeah, those 16,000 signals of approval were the prompt to continue to develop the story and build what is now a more sophisticated thing. Yeah. AC, what were your thoughts when you first saw checks? I thought it was funny because um, we had invested in Blur and I was familiar with the trading, vol the trading volume on Blur 
was always an obsession of mine just in the beginning because we, we were getting rightfully flayed for not knowing what Blur would do maybe to the ecosystem. But in the beginning, I was just like, okay, who is this Jack Butcher guy? Because this guy is driving volume. And so my first reaction was he certainly captured the attention, um, which I think 12 months later, let's call it, still definitely the case with Jack. Um, the ability to, you know, I think in the beginning I was like, this is well engineered to capture blur volume, actually. Like, this is something that they're quite fungible. They're, they're volumes of, you know, the, the, the checks in the beginning, I think, quantity-wise, it was the image of what, like 16 checks? Uh, a grid of 8 by 10, so it's eight, 80, eight, yeah. Oh, 80, 8 by 10. So, um, you know, you're curious of what's going to happen with all 16,000 of these things that got minted and how's this volume going to... Like, my first reaction was caution and like, wow, this thing came out so hot. How's it going to turn out? And I started reading into it and I had known Jack since Visualized Value. And I'm like, okay, as cute as these checks are, there's going to be something more ontological here. Like, Jack's working something up. Um, but you're right. It sparked the uh, open edition craze for the second time, I think, in our ecosystem. And so where some people were like, great, I'm going to, you, you kind of, I had this comfort, okay, there's a plan here. Um, and I think since then, you've only seen the story Jack's building increase into this like universe of, you know, different drops. So I started caution with caution because I had to judge for the fund. What were we going to participate with? And again, when you hear something was minted for eight bucks, your first reaction when you see it, at 80 and no less, like, you know, one ETH, once it ran up to, like, that level, you're like, there's no way I could touch that. Um, but, you know, I think the way that you instituted the burn mechanics and, like, we're now, I think, one of 12, uh, we have a one of one uh, 12 check as well. And so, you know, we've committed ourselves to collecting the Jack story as he's been able to maintain this attention. It's been Pretty Jack, incredible. did you anticipate, like, all of this, basically? No, no, of course not, no. I had uh, no idea, really. I actually, uh, we had a second baby four days before this happened. Ooh. So there was no, absolutely no plan to do this, but <laughs> just uh, the attention necessitated further action. Yeah. Um, a shout out to Celia, my wife. <laughs> you also came out in January with Opepin. Um, which yeah. is a whole other sort of ecosystem. Can you just talk about a little bit about the inspiration um, launching that? Yeah, so there was one very specific visual inf inspiration, which was a guy called Bats who's been doing these geometric pepes and obviously had tip to Matt Fury who created the first iteration. And uh, this idea of digital identity and attention was front and center in my mind as the checks, the ability for checks to reappear on the timeline. Initially, we had this remix culture around the, uh, we had this remix culture around the project because of the degree of specificity in the visual. So every, anybody felt like they could remix it where people doing it by hand, they're switching out the symbol, they're taking the check and turning it into a pixel and building tools to make images of check. So it just resonated at some like 
meta level where so many people participated. But the PFP as a piece of digital real estate is, I use the analogy like the beachfront property. This is the like star island of digital real estate where if you're trying to get attention on the work you're doing as a digital artist, if you can get something into that circle alongside the messages that are talking about what you're doing, um, that's like the holy grail. But as an artist, it's also a very, very difficult format, as many people have discussed. Like not everybody wants to jump into the PFP meta for many, many reasons, as you know, so many uh, poor examples of execution there. So it started as this free mint, 16,000 and no, it was 15,087 tokens were minted in an hour this time. So this was after check. So we had it open edition, one per wallet, free, got up to almost 16,000 pieces. And it was just sitting there for months and months while we were building check stuff. And all of the things that we were sort of discovering in checks as we were developing those mechanisms, this like empty canvas in a way, the network that Opepin had created was just sitting there buzzing every day and uh, then just kind of applied a lot of the ideas and the challenges I'd had with uh, working in the PFP format to just try and engineer some constraints that would alleviate those challenges. So the idea of not doing 16,000 16, slight iterations of one thing, uh, you can't imagine that 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 community sustains in that way beyond the people that have already executed in a phenomenal way, like punks and apes of the world that have these like massive, massive power laws applied to them. So we built this system that is, we assigned rarity post. So these things became blanks with different degrees of rarity. They inherited these uh, different tiers of additions, also playing with this idea of uh, does the uniqueness of the thing visually make it more valuable or is it about the provenance of who participates what it looks like how like why are people judging these things we built front end with all these different consensus mechanisms and um in hindsight realized a lot of things about that that made it a little bit more anti-fragile maybe is like 80 people at a time coming in to form these like little groups of communities around different artists i should talk a little bit about how it works it's a is it up there? Yeah. yeah. So this, uh, this silhouette um, can basically, it's so simple that it can absorb all these different aesthetics, all these different treatments. Any artist can do a iteration of this thing. There's four-year-olds doing versions of this and posting it to Twitter. And one thing I experienced when I was building Visualize Value and trying to help people um, who had like a creative ability try and scale what they're doing on the internet everyone runs into this cold start problem where you're just screaming into the void of like i don't have a network effect i can't get eyes on what i'm doing even if it is phenomenal and i'd kind of built that through three years of doing the exact same thing on instagram painfully so like never stray from this aesthetic constraint and the people who align with it are interested in it blah blah, blah will become part of this network so I tried with Visualized Value to do that, you know, have guest artists and stuff, but then deviating from that stuff didn't really work in the same way as having like a format that can absorb all of the stuff and a, an identity is so much more fluid than like trying to communicate a very specific idea in a diagram. And we're 20, what, 27, 28, 27 sets into 
the releases so far. So Chex is like a play with the blockchain. It was like burn, you know, combine, and then, you know, refine, I guess, like into, I guess the one check was the goal. And OPEPN was a sort of a blank canvas. As you said, there's 27 artists or, you know, people who have contributed. Um, did you like coming out with Chex and OPEPN, was that the original intention or did you iterate over time? Chex definitely uh, was that, um, was informed by the idea that right where like status is for sale and in a in an interesting sort of turn of events I guess these things get less visually unique as you comp as you compile them so the 80 check that you take from the addition to the on-chain original which is the first part of the process is you as a collector participating in influencing the outcome of the piece and then as you continue to melt the uh sorry combine these things together uh they end up a single check on a on a yeah. you know piece of uh, a black screen and there's commentary there in you know you'd rather have the rather collect the thing that signifies you've put more into the process in it for the r as a function in the contract that we have this you know as a you look at it from a purely rational standpoint as a collector you are reducing your optionality exponentially by doing that like you're creating this thing that is personal to you and those things st have stayed with the people that made them since was it your original intention like the way you it's progressed like did you iterate once it was released um or like when you released checks were you like i'm gonna make this become like this sort of blockchain um, um, experiment no we like we basically built the process in public so as we're figuring out the way in which this open edition was going to become right. this mechanical thing Every decision was being documented. We're thinking about doing this. This is a, how the front end's going to look. Here's all the variations that we're thinking about. Um, and then checks is done. It's finished. It's like the contracts are deployed there forever. There's, we can't change. We don't have custody of the contracts anymore. Uh, so that's like, uh, yeah, shout out to Jalil who wrote all yeah. those contracts. Um, incredible. And Traff did a lot of work on the front end. And... Uh, yeah, that is a completely different, almost yin and yang to Opepin, which is yeah. what can you do with a token if you have this ever-present um, ever connection with a collector? And that does exist in the checks metadata too. Like early on, we were changing the metadata to represent these moments in time. Right? Yeah, Where the alien punk. Alien like, punk got sold. Yeah. We like took that, put it on the grid and put yeah. it out. So you're continually like uh, getting attention back on what you're doing. And then OPEPN is designed very differently in mechanically, but it has the attention mechanics built into it where there's 200 separate drops. And we have a submission engine for artists that want to participate in it. And there's probably like thousand submissions in the uh, back end right now. Yeah. We're, it's incredible to see this stuff. And uh, just trying to push the silhouette as far as we can. And as we're going... One of the other original ideas I had for this was called OPEPN AI. That was the first iteration of it because of uh, image generation being commoditized like crazy, right? Like if you're, a, uh, if you're an artist, you know, many long controversial conversations you can have about this, your work is being scraped and reimagined and put into this. So we ran a load of experiments early on where we just gave an AI the, out, the, the outline and then it can base it could do you an OPEPN in the style of any artist that's ever posted work on the internet, which is a crazy 
crazy thing that we, you know, wanted to build a collection to capture the evolution of image making and how fast it was going. So I imagine like the, if the first set is uh, Stable Diffusion 2.1, by the end, maybe these things are, you know, holograms or something. I don't know. They're, like yeah. the, the evolution is so Probably. crazy. And obviously the culture of uh, digital art changes and artists come and break out and make aesthetics their own and trying to capture some of those moments in the collection. It's going to take us a long time to finish it, but um, the constraint that drove visualized value to be uh, this, net, this robust network is built into this, but the output is completely different aesthetically. Amazing, yeah. Uh, still following Opepen and excited to see the rest of the sets. Um, AC, um, in February we worked together to um, sell Fidenza 724. Um, that was an amazing moment for the community. Um, it was the first time Tyler Hobbs was brought to the evening sale. It was the first time like code-based generative art from Artblocks was in an evening sale. And for those who may not know, evening sales, one of the largest global platforms for selling art. It was live streamed all over the it's world. Like, it's like the Super Bowl yeah. of art every quarter. It is, you know, if anyone lives in New York or in London, you go to the evening sale or you just go before the, you know, and just look, sorry to cut you off oh, here, but please like, go ahead. Let, let me shield Christie's here. Um, it is like, you would be so impressed with the effort and the elegance of how the art is displayed. And someone told me as I was there in London for the evening sale, they're like, I come to everyone because most of these you never see again. Most of the works that do sell, sell once. They sit in a foundation or in a, in a family collection for, for, you know, longer than a human lifespan, let's call it. So anyhow, to cut you off there. But, no, yeah. all good. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, first of all, thank you for working with us, of course. Um, and also, like you and I worked together in 2019, you bought one of Tyler Hobbs' early work um, for what, like $1,000 or less? 500 bucks. And yeah. I got it for Mother's Day uh, on my wife's first Mother's Day. It was like Sebastian and, and Sophia uh, came in clutch because I wanted something that was reflective of motherhood. And it's this symbiotic mother and child looking piece where they're hugging and then there's this flow field around them, pen plotted work from Tyler. And anyhow, that kickstarted my generative art bug because I bought it without knowing it was generative, which is like 0% the case today. Everyone knows when they're buying generative art, it has a unique aesthetic, but Tyler had this way of making it so human and beautiful that I, today I still look for work like that because that's, you know, you're, you're collecting the emergence from these algorithms, but yeah. So yeah, like, I mean, four years, like you bought that for what, 500 bucks in 2019, four years later, you know, you have a Fidenza and you're selling it on the global scale for 365,000 um, pounds. What did that feel like? Like, cause you were in the room, you were there. I mean, that's like, you know, for me, that was one of the first things I worked at when I joined Christie. So it was a huge full circle moment for me. Um, curious how you feel as well. Yeah. What was, so Fidenzas are hard to sell because you know, you're going to love it when it's no longer yours. It happened to me several times where I had sold like three arrows capital Fidenza that then ended up in a liquidation auction, sadly. <laughs> and I'm like, man, whoever gets that is a real winner. And I'm a loser now. But um, I haven't really looked at it since I <laughs> sold it. So, uh, you know, look, I, I think what's cool about 
generative art on chain, we'll call it, is I minted that, right? So in, in the provenance of that Fidenza is the fact that AC minted it. And so I feel a part of it still. I'm okay. The, the person who ended up collecting it is a kingmaker in traditional art. So it's, it's good to share these things and to import, you know, more collectors from that side of the world. Um, but I'll, I'll give you a few comments, right? So first I was just floating when I, I was in London for the sale. Um, felt like I didn't belong for sure. Like I didn't, I didn't grow up thinking I would have a piece in the evening sale. Didn't know that it was something cool to even have. Now that I have it, it's the only thing I tell people when I <laughs> intro, uh, jokingly. But secondly was there, here's a story. I'm videoing this very proud when the hammer hits or, or like I'm trying to capture this moment myself at Christie's and something about the Brits, as everyone here could probably attest to, is they're very polished. They're very like they knew culture first. It, you know, I, I love the Brits, but they really want you to feel that. And so there was this older gentleman behind when they announced Tyler Hobbs, there was an older gentleman behind me who was an SOB and was like, it, within earshot of my video, was like, oh, yes, Tyler Hobbs, who? Like, jokingly, I was like, oh, this motherfucker, uh, you know, this guy, it ruined my video, but I'll talk to him after. So the hammer hits, we beat the estimate, and like, the, you know, the market had been already going pretty soft, and some of these estimates were hard to hit, so I felt really good. I, I turn around and I tell this guy, that was my piece that sold, and I'm not going to go buy a Warhol. Nothing against Warhol, but I really wanted to show this guy, this is the first time. Like, get used to this. And with my liquidity, I'm not going to play your game, right? Well, you know, I am going to buy traditional art. I'm not, like, anti-traditional art. But for the most part, I would hate, like, I am never going to sell a Fidenza or something again and buy something unnetworked, which is the word that I would use. Um, there's such an intrinsic value. Like Jack, for example, he is a network artist, right? That is his canvas, is this network. He has, in the middle of the bear market, Jack was selling, I mean, selling out. I mean, open editions, selling in the tens of thousands. Um, and so when I left Christie's that day, I was definitely happy. And then I'm like, you know, I still thinking of this a-hole behind me. I'm like, you know, trying to just solidify my thesis now that I have some liquidity again. And I'm like, okay, <clears throat> um, how could I maybe reinforce, or you know, I didn't want to double down on my bias and be like, wow, a payoff. I'm right. Let me go and buy it. Like I didn't buy another Fidenza or anything like that. Um, but I did want to have kind of this post liquidity event clarity where, um, as I'm saying, like, networked art, um, things that are just inherently on a marketplace as they're born. Like the fact that an NFT is a token and that token could agnostically be listed in an instant anywhere. Like that does not happen with Canvas. And so I felt really good because um, I took the, the hard route was going through Christie's. Never a hard thing. Auction houses know how to place works. But this is their evening sale, and none of the people that buy in the evening sale really know what a Fidenza or Tyler Hobbs even is, or code-based art. And so 
we still found success uh, the hard way, we'll say, right? It wasn't yeah. an open sea listing. Yeah. Um, and so, anyhow, I, I've since left that event, like, more work to do. Um, but let me cap it with, please go to an evening sale if you guys are ever in a city that it's happening. Just go get lost and be proud that we will consistently probably always just have, like, an NFT in at least one, it's their quarterly, but at least one, I'm not going to yeah. speak for Christie's, yeah. but there's no way it's going to stop. And it's hard, you know, speaking lastly on liquidity, I don't speak for the generation, but, you know, I was at Art Basel yesterday uh, getting a, a tour and the dealer who was giving the tour was saying how there's just always demand for some of the great artists. You know, there's, there, you know, as soon as they have something on the primary, there's a wait list, and then you better be a good person because they're going to filter you if you're bad. Well, that's a racket. <laughs> and it's a good racket because, you know, it keeps the art world turning nice and pretty. We don't have that in crypto, in blockchain. Like, we do have uh, wrapped Ethereum bids on our assets as they're sitting. You know, if you have a good asset, there's likely an offer on it. But we don't have, like, this primary marketplace where there's always demand for a great artist in the seven and eight figures. We haven't made that market yet. And so when I left Christie's, I noticed how, yeah, it does exist. There is this constant demand button on the old masters and we have to do that still. It, yeah. It's not, it doesn't come quickly. Um, so we, you know, I, I think I left last part of that, that event for me was like work to do, um, you know, cause I think if you're going to have more fidenzas in the future, like, you know, you, you got to build that demand up and it's, you know, likely it's going to continue happening where the crypto wealthy are able to reinvest profits. They're probably, you're not going to make money in crypto and, and go buy a Warhol. Let's keep, let's keep bagging Warhol. Um, <laughs> you're going to make money in crypto and you're going to buy something on the network. That's just like. Find me the anomaly, and, and I'll argue he's the anomaly. Um, and so the part that I'm interested in working on is, yeah, that's great. Crypto, when the number goes up and everyone has more net worth because of their coins, um, that's inspiring. Awesome. That's exactly what I believe in. I believe in the network. But we're also trying to onboard this, you know, uh, traditional-minded collector. Like, that liquidity is important for me. That's how we use Christie's uh, to really attract... Like these guys have per like Ken Griffin, permanent capital guys. Um, you know, that's I think the work that needs to be done, the respect that we need to earn. Start started with that evening, in my opinion. Amazing. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Um also want to touch upon um in 2022, you acquired Living Architecture Casa Batio by Rafik Anadol. Um, and this year in May, you went to Barcelona and I think it was May, right? Um yeah. you went to Barcelona and saw the live projection mapping. What was that like? I mean, that's pretty amazing. It's like the city, like it's, you know, it's art. It's like public art. It's, you know, the city of Barcelona is there. Like Rafik's I, there. Like what is, what does that feel like? I get goosebumps. My wife's here. She probably has goosebumps too, because um, let's talk about like, let's make fun of traditional art for a second. Um, if Picasso had put Guernica in front of Casa Batio, you would not have had the success that Rafik Anadol and our piece had. Um, it doesn't scale, right? 
this canvas, this frame of Guernica or any of his greats, they're beautiful, not to make fun of it, but you could not achieve, like, think of your favorite sporting game that you ever went to or think of that concert where you just had hair in the back of your neck standing up. This event, there were 65,000 Catalans standing in front of um, basically, like, Gaudi is the culture that they have exported around the world from Barcelona. He is uniquely theirs. And uh, Rafiq just made this incredible artwork. And he gave, we own it because we bought it through the evening sale that yeah, May. Yeah. But it was incredible to give it back to the people of Barcelona yeah. in this five-minute video. There were 65,000 people there for four straight hours. We had a showing every 30 minutes. And so you're never going to get that with the Mona Lisa. I don't care that it's more valuable or more important or more. As we continue, what we are able to do is scale alongside the transistor in a way that canvas is just dead. And we get, you know, oftentimes, like there's a viral photo going around Twitter where there's an exhibition somewhere else in Miami that's a joke. There's wires on the wall, and it looks like uh, an American Airlines lounge where no one cared to put away any, any of the food that was out. Like, it looks just messy. And that sets us back a ton because, you know, when someone looks at a screen, th their reaction is going to be, this is a TV. And you have to show them it's not. You, you know, there are things that, like, that this Tezos event failed on. But otherwise, uh, you have to beat that out of someone. This is better than a screen. This is just the gateway for you to see the actual content the artist wants you to see. So the fact that Rafiq put Batyo on, uh, like, seven-story building, a UNESCO heritage building, right? And gave it back, that is like, I'll remember that like going to a ball game with my dad, you know, yeah. just, yeah. I mean, and so the last thing, my wife and I were like, we were watching um, the people around us, like mothers hugging their boys and you're just seeing this pride and this like, everyone's crying. So I left there like, there's, fuck Ednika, excuse my language. That, the future is the fact that, you know, people could experience this at scale. We want to have those stadium experiences. We want to go to, you know, you want that fourth quarter touchdown where you're throwing your beer. Like, you just want to have that shared moment with others. Um, and so, you know, you'll see the Rafik upstairs, which is beautiful as well. Imagine that ability to capture. Um, I think that's, you know, attention on the physical scale. It's not as easy to do on the digital scale, but, you know, Rafika's one that nailed it. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Like, so good. Um, I think next uh, in May as well, Jack, um, we worked together um, on Checks Elements, um, which was a series of 152 spin on the checks. Um, I, got, I think it was a generative artwork where there were some alpha um, checks, um, earth, wind, uh, water, and fire. Um, and Christie's auctioned off water, earth, and wind, or air. Is it air or air, right? Air. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and yeah, tell, and, and they were with Prince, with the legendary printmaker Jean Milant. Um, tell me a little bit more about like physical, digital, your experience of working with this very legendary printmaker who's done prints with some of the most amazing artists, Ed Ruscha. Like, incredible. To, yeah, like incredible. Tell me about that. Actually, you know what? I was gonna do a. I was gonna offer a paradoxical perspective on the Tezos poll first, which will set this up, which is... We can go there. It's which okay. is yeah. like go the, uh, the ironic thing about that, let's say, is it created an event on the network that produced all of this artistic participation that drives this like moment of provenance back to the shitty hanging wires on the poll, wherever that thing was, right? So that thing is like now way more iconic than maybe even a more polished version of a digital art gallery and my in my mind the in trying to do this this week trying to put digital art on the walls you like it's it's very hard to do it well it's incredibly hard to do it well and to limit yourself as an artist to thinking that your art has to be in the frame that you can take what your art is about and put it in a physical space in a different way not knocking putting the work in frames and showing it but there are things to be done there but Sorry for the diversion. It's all good. The elements, to NFT now for the display. The elements thing Pretty now nice. is, is kind of the inverse of that happening where you have this network event, you have this community, you have this activity happening on the internet and then have the opportunity to work with someone as legendary as Jean to make a print that the concepts that you're trying to marry those two things together was this idea of consensus in the physical world. So consensus on a chain is 200,000 nodes all validating transactions and checking the ledger every 13 seconds. But in the physical world, consensus that predates technology as we think about it is the elements of the world. So any culture, any country, any language arrived at these categorizations for matter and elements. And the process for creating these was a a digital algorithm that output the instructions and then the physical production of the prints was at just as algorithmic, right? Because these were done as monoprints. So you, every single check, you paint individually, run the press, paint another one, run the press, clean the press, get the other. And we have this, you know, set of instructions that are algorithmically generated, but represent this, for, this decentralized consensus that was been occurring for as long as human beings can make marks. And this, the check is obviously, you know, a new symbol that represents consensus. Can't talk about 23 without the goose. Um, we won't talk about the sale because it wasn't with Christie's. But uh, um, obviously it, it like made, you know. It's, it sucked. It was such an, it was a worse, no, I'm kidding. There you go. Um, it made obviously ripples around the market. Um, it was on the Simpsons. Like, By the way, was, I, like what's amazing about the Simpsons episode was I was, we were watching football and it ended. And then we were having dinner. My wife's putting the girls to bed. And I'm like, did Homer Simpson just say the word NFTs? And because the, the game was on and then, you know, Fox played the Simpsons. And I think I was the one that broke the news on Twitter. I'm like, I saw it from your post. I'm yeah. like, the goose is on the Simpsons. You that know, was it was really wild. So um, if, if I was to say something quickly about this was our thesis at the fund is you're going to have a very short window of time to be able to collect these immortal objects that are, they, they help us document how the ledger is just going to absorb all record keeping of value. Like we know, 
all of us here on stage, I would imagine everyone here in the room or people here trying to learn more, let me tell you, everything will be on Ethereum if it's valuable. And so our thesis is, as you know, Jack said earlier with power laws, the fund's thesis is collect the power laws. Like, don't go crazy trying to get this emergent. Like, I do that. Personally, I collect emergent artists all the time. You do, yeah. But we raise outside capital. We have very wealthy, powerful investors who are the titans of tech. And our job was to provide them with exposure to this very thing that got them rich, power laws. And so the goose is the power law generative artwork, whether you think it's cool or not. Like, it's not even up to you. The fact that everyone could recall what the goose is if they've heard of art blocks, um, it means that, like, it is, and the fact that it's on The Simpsons, like, what a validation of our thesis, in our opinion. So that was, you know, going into this auction, you don't know where the hammer's going to hit. You don't know what you're... I mean, we had our number in mind, um, but what was incredible was, like, no, I guess when, once we ended up winning, everyone's like, oh, we didn't think it would be you. We didn't think you were going for it or something. I guess we, we looked like we were broke. We stopped buying for a while or something. <laughs> like, we played it, I guess, pretty close to our chest that we were, like, not even going to go after it. Um, and then there was this, like, catharsis from a lot of people that were like, but thank God. Thank God it's with you guys. Right, so I'm our job is with you guys. Yeah, thanks. You'll, you'll take good care of it for we'll sure. We'll patron that guy. Yeah. So that's the goose. Thank you. Um, I put Snow Pepin on here just because it was an amazing collaboration. We'll, we talked a lot about Opepin, so I think we can um, go on the next thing. Um, Jack, you just released Signature and Velocity with um, Red Bull and AOI. Um, and uh, we have a Christie sale upstairs. If you haven't checked it out, it's an auction up until Tuesday, um, an exhibition that NFT now has wonderfully produced. But we have Jack's signature number zero, which is a artist proof or, you know, first of all, it's the first time we've ever auctioned anything token number zero or like an artist proof in that way on Christie's 3.0. Um, so tell us a little bit about the project, both of the projects, I guess, and also the importance of like number zero. Yeah, so... Uh... It, this was on Artblocks engine, so the last transition is perfect. The, the Snow Peppin, uh, the OG generative art uh, platform builder, um, and the, both of these collections are on Artblocks engine, which I actually used uh, ChatGPT to write the code for both collections, because I'm not a creative coder. And uh, the ideas in here are all kind of chapters that extend from the checks and Opepin uh, concepts in that racing on the right-hand side is this thing that is enabled by your ability to own intangible ideas. Like Red Bull as an idea is this collection of people that makes this incredible machine that shows up in this place and competes at the highest level of engineering. And these like unlikely collaborations and the aesthetic of this thing, you know, when you look, see the every single logo you can imagine pasted on every single piece of the car. And trademark on the left-hand side is really, uh, sorry, signature is a uh, idea of the mark of the trade in racing. So you sign the canvas in a different way as a, as a, a race driver. And fortunately, this happened the, uh, a couple of days before the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, which is the last in the season, which Red Bull... I'd won the season earlier on, but Verstappen at the finish line 
performed the signature. So it captures a moment in time and hopefully um, these ideas consistently reference the, uh, without, so I, my background is in uh, advertising. And so I work with a lot of brands in my, in my lifetime and the ability to work in this context with brands where you're trying to make the thing they're doing more interesting at scale without having to like say, buy this thing is a, is a much more interesting challenge. And the dynamic between you is so much more healthy too, because of, you know, the way the collaboration is initiated and you know, it's not a, Hey, change this, do that. It's more of a like, thank you for doing this. Yeah. Amazing. The current bid is 9.69 ETH. So you have a few more days to bid. <laughs> um, yeah, so again, uh, our auction is up um, until the 12th of December, um, ends at 10 a.m. Eastern time. And just to close this panel out, thank you guys so much. Thank you, way. man. This Appreciate has been amazing. Um, Thanks, everyone. Just want to, you know, we're closing out 2023. We are entering, hopefully, a bull market. Sentiment is good. Trades are up. What are you guys looking forward to in 2024? What excites you? Um, any, any final thoughts on the year ahead? I personally, if you watch my own personal wallet right now, I'm buying a lot of um, I'm buying a lot of AI art. Where if you bought AI art prior prior to this year, it was so technical. You needed like the artist built the AI. They did all these, and so if, if let, let, let's like reduce the human being. Let's say that they have two skill sets: creativity and technical. Like the AI artist of the past was like extremely technical. And you're lucky if they're also very creative, but like they might be down here. In the last five months, AI tools have been unleashed that I'm using commercially, but that these artists are using creatively, which has unleashed this creative vertical, right? These artists, these creatives are now able to use this technical in a way that's amazing. And it's documenting the advancement of the technology in a way that, of course, museums will have these. So I'm very big on AI, and I think, let me give the, I think then we're going to hit a wall, because as soon as it's easy for you to do it, then it's not really that cool and collectible. So in 2024, don't go thinking this is, like, buy every AI piece you see. For the, no, I think right now, maybe a five, six-month window. Agreed. But in the, so that's where I'm paying attention, um, and people like Jack, where there's network, like, that's, What's interesting for us? Jack, how about you? So we got, I think, 183 sets left to go on uh, a pep and stuff, Oof. which is yeah, intimidating but fun. And uh, doing things with the new artists. We did something today where we uh, collaborated on a pair. We call them oviators, a physical pair of uh, glasses. Yeah. And uh, the idea that that network can then drive value back to the people that have been contributing to it permissionlessly, artists, builders, you know, people who design sunglasses in this case, uh, just more of that, just doing, finding interesting things and using the networks that we've created to spread value around elsewhere and, and get attention on people that are doing cool stuff. My friends, thank you so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and want to dig in a little deeper on what we're building at NFT Now, please check out the Now Pass and the Now Network. We're building the future of tokenized media. I would love for you to be a part of it. You can learn more at nowpass.xyz 
And you can hop in our Discord at discord.gg slash NFT now uh, to connect with the community. Thank you again for listening to the NFT Now podcast, and we'll see you again this time next week.